0: Welcome to the Dogwood podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to everybody in the room and welcome to all of you worshiping out on the patio and on um, this Labor Day weekend, we you know our our community's privileged many to be able to travel and a lot of the Dogwood uh, family are traveling and I've heard from many of them that they're joining us this hour online, so wherever you guys are, uh, have a glad you, have a great time away. We'll see you when you get back. Glad you're worshiping with us. We are in our fourth week of uh, this journey from God's in God's Word on uh, resolving personal conflict. We're calling it. We can work it out, and we're trying to learn from God how we how we do so in, in, with the conflict that we have in our lives with people in our family, our friends, our neighbors. Uh, Seems like uh, when I mentioned Homeowners Association, that seems to get get a rise. Yeah, once again here. Uh, But what we've discovered is that conflict happens between human beings. And so Christianity does not say that uh, if you're a Christian, you won't have conflict with people. It does not say that. Uh, In fact, we are still fallen... Human beings, we're still, even though we've been redeemed and Christ is at work in us, we're not perfect yet, uh, we are we're going to have conflict. The difference between a follower of Jesus and someone who is not, the difference between Christianity and every other worldview is, uh, is this, that we handle conflict differently. God gives us a way to resolve it. And that even good can come out of it. So uh, we've discovered, just a reminder as we get ready to go to work, that that there are three responses possible when we have conflict in our lives. First of all, we might uh, flee. We might run away from it. We might abandon the relationship. Uh, Second, we might attack. We either flight or fight. And um, that doesn't work either. God's way is the third way, peacemaking. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, and He intends to turn every one of His followers into people who are really, really good at pursue, seeking peace and pursuing it, uh, starting with all of our uh, relationships. Now, we've discovered uh, in this wisdom from God's Word that when we find ourselves in conflict, we, uh, we take these steps toward peacemaking by asking strategic questions first. Now, we believe we need his power to give us self-control and the knowledge of his word to give us the knowledge and the wisdom to stop and ask these questions, but here they are. The first one is, Lord, how can I glorify you in this situation? Uh, How can I honor you so that you're glorified? My opponent is served and I grow to be more like you? Because remember, when we have conflict, rather than it being all bad, we need to be reminded, as God reminds us from His Word, that we have three wonderful opportunities. First of all, to glorify God. Second, actually to serve other people, even our opponent. Third, uh, to grow spiritually. So, Lord, how can I honor you? Second strategic question is this one. Lord, how have I contributed to this conflict? What's my part? And we we, uh, went to the words of Jesus in in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 where he, uh, speaking with uh, ancient Jewish humor of exaggeration, says, first take the log out of your own eye before you try to get the little speck out of your brother's eye. And we talked about cleaning up our own eyesight, taking responsibility, confessing our own sins, us getting right before God and uh, acknowledging our part in the uh, conflict First, third strategic question is how can I help my opponent see how they have contributed to the difficulty? Now, if you missed that message, it was last Sunday. You can review it online at our website. But today we come to the fourth step in the process of peacemaking, and it is, it is this one. Jot this down. We've given you a note sheet in your bulletin there. Not much room, but a little bit of room. So here we go. The fourth step is committing to be reconciled. Committing to be reconciled, this speaks of intentionality, this speaks of on, on purpose. No one lapses into seeking reconciliation. We do it intentionally, we only do it with a commitment. It starts with a decision to do it, even if we don't know how, but we commit to be uh, reconciled. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, again in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 24, right there in the middle of that verse, he says, first, go and be reconciled to your brother. We are, this is a mandate from God. We are to seek peace and pursue it. We're to seek reconciliation. And so uh, we might need to start with a good definition of uh, reconciliation. And here's one that I found. Take a look at it on the screen to replace hostility and separation with peace and friendship. Is that a good start? Is it? Will that work? Okay. Think of, Jot that one down. Let's leave that one up there. Would you guys leave that up there? To, to replace hostility and separation that we are now experiencing in the midst of this conflict, uh, to replace that with peace and friendship that 's the goal that 's the ideal that 's where we 're headed in this ministry of uh, uh, reconciliation Now, normally, two things must happen two big things must happen for this uh, to occur first of all, all of the personal offenses uh, that the um, that have separated the two opponents in the conflict uh, they must be reconciled they must be laid to rest. Through two actions, uh, confession, which we've talked about already, everyone cleaning up their own eyes, and forgiveness. Admitting our part in the our wrongdoing, and asking for and extending and receiving forgiveness. So we lay these things to rest that way. Second, sometimes there are material issues uh, involved. And uh, these must be reconciled by negotiating win-win solutions. Where everybody wins, and, and we're, we're trying to get a win for everyone. Now, I'm in the midst of wrapping up uh, the administration of my mother's estate. Most of you know she died uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and I'm the executor of her estate, and we've been in the process of settling all those things. Now, fortunately, uh, my two sisters and I have never had a crossword since we were about 10 years old. We really like each other. Our parents took care of a lot of details. They made it really easy. There's not been any conflict. But I have heard through this process that sometimes families have conflict in, over those issues. Is that true? Yeah, I think it is. And so, uh, uh, and so sometimes there are material issues involved in, uh, in a conflict, and careful negotiations must take place. For, for those to be uh, settled, but we go for win-win uh, situations. Now, there, there are two great temptations when we come to this step. When we come to this fourth step of seeking, committing to be reconciled, two great temptations, and look at me. Let me just go ahead and get it out of the way. I, I have been not only tempted but guilty of both of these, uh, in conflict in my own life, and I think I will always be tempted at this point. The first temptation is this, and it is to accept a um, a premature compromise in the relationship, just to get it over with. Um, that's one. The second one is worse. It's the, uh, the temptation just to neglect the relationship and let it wither. Write down the word "wither." That's a good word. Just let it wither away, and let's just—it's you know, kind of a, another long-term way of um, abandoning the relationship, even after you've committed not to abandon the their relationship. Now, again, I've been guilty of both of these. I'm always tempted by these, but it seems like the spirit of what Jesus teaches us uh, in His Word about reconciling conflict is this. Uh, you won't find this in a verse, but this is kind of a summation of the, of the spirit of things. Uh, go the last 10%. Uh, have the last, don't leave any unsaids. have the last 10% of the negotiations, last 10% of the conversation, last 10% of the confession of wrongdoing and the extending of forgiveness uh, over those things. Don't settle for a premature compromise. Don't let it wither uh, away. So uh, here's the big point today. You can pursue peace and, um, and reconciliation by taking three actions. And I'm going to unpack all these three very, very quickly today. The first one is by forgiving others as Christ has forgiven you. The second is uh, seek win-win solutions. I've already mentioned that one. And the third is by overcoming evil with good. Now let's talk about the first one. You can reconcile your your broken relationships if you will forgive as Christ has forgiven you. This is the first step in committing to be... Uh, reconciled. Now, can I just pause a second and say that forgiveness is a, is a big issue? Would you agree? Yeah, it's a big issue. It's kind of graduate level Christianity, uh, yet He, God, intends for every one of us to practice it and to learn how to practice it and to get really good at it. In fact, He says, when we get really good at this, the rest of the world will, no, will name us. They say, you must be a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, because you forgive And uh, it may be the primary mark of someone following Christ. But we are to forgive. First step in committing to be reconciled is to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Now, this is such a big issue. Uh, I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes on it today, but I'm going to come back next week, next Sunday, and the Sunday following. I'm going to take two entire messages, and we're going to drill down a little deeper on uh, this issue of forgiveness. So, uh, Capture what you can now, come back next week, and we'll keep looking at it. But we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Look at uh, God's Word in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, there's much to learn there. We're going to, in the next couple of weeks, just precisely how was it? How did... Uh, the Lord forgive us? How did He go about forgiving us? And how did He behave? And what was His attitude? We're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. But first of all, forgiveness is not several things. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Now, that'll be a big aha for many of us in the room. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. It is a choice that we make. Uh, It's not a feeling, but it does help our feelings. It does help our feelings. Also, forgiveness is not forgetting if we could forget, there'd be no use, no need to forgive, right? Bzzzt, that's gone. Never knew. What do you mean? There's nothing, no, forgiveness um, is is not forgetting, but it does help painful memories begin to fade. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And forgiveness is not excusing. It's not excusing or diminishing the wrong that another person does uh, to us. In fact, it is the opposite of excusing it is uh, it shows that what someone else did to us was wrong and inexcusable it's the opposite of just excusing forgiveness fully acknowledges the wrong so forgiveness is not a feeling it is not forgetting it is not excusing do you want to know what forgiveness is write this down it's a miracle <laughs> it is a miracle it is a miracle how when someone has been genuinely wounded, that God would operate in their hearts and in not only give them the desire, but enable them to forgive. And it's also a miracle that God forgives us. It is a miracle, and it's a miracle... Um, where you find yourself going through four stages. Just really quickly, they're going to be on the screen. Here we go. Uh, you go through these stages. Uh, it, it, this is how you can tell that it's happening in you and through you. You give up getting even. First stage, you find yourself giving up getting even. Second, you, you find yourself seeing a human opponent no longer as a monster but as a uh, a flawed human needing grace. Right now, you might see him as a monster as you go through the forgiveness process, you'll cease seeing them so much as a monster, as just a flawed human being in need of, uh, of grace. Fourth uh, phase you'll go through is you'll find yourself wishing them well. That's really how you know when you have forgiven someone is when they come to mind, you really wish them well rather than harm. Uh, and the fourth stage of forgiveness, you find that as you have opportunity, you do good to them and not evil. You do good to them and not evil. And that's kind of what forgiveness uh, looks like. Uh, But forgiveness actually is a decision uh, with four promises. And here they are. Again, very quickly, don't have time to unpack them, but here they are. Uh, First of all, a decision that says, I will not think about this incident any longer. I choose not to think about this any longer. Now, some of you are saying, I can't help what I think. Well, of course you can. God gave you the ability to choose what you think about you just change channels when you're thinking the wrong thing. Just think about something else. Think about God's Word. Uh, I will not think about this incident. Second commitment, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. You know, you've heard about the guy who came to see his pastor and he said, Pastor, I got trouble with my wife. Every time we get in an argument, she becomes historical. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. Historical. She brings up everything I've ever done and uses it against me. You know, that's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. Uh, third commitment is this I will not, um, back that one up one time. I can't remember what I wrote. There you go. I will not talk to others about this incident. Remember, like we learned that in peacemaking, uh, in God's uh, way in Christianity, He says, now talk to people, not about them. So we don't talk to, we'll never talk to other people about this incident. Uh, Again, Now, finally, number four commitment, I will not allow this incident to stand between us. We all know it. We know it happened. I will no longer allow this to stand between us. We're going to act like friends. Had conflict with a good friend of many years, over three decades in our own church, and and we sat down and finally had the final uh, deal and and, uh, uh, wonderful conversation where he set me free uh, from all this business that I had caused. And he said to me, now I won't bring this up again. And from now we will go back to acting like good friends because we are. Do you know what a wonderful thing that was to sit here that this person that I loved and cared about that I had wounded looked at me and said, now good. We are all good. We've settled this. and, And here's how we'll behave from now on. Just like we are good friends. I'll not bring this up again. That was Nice. That was nice, and you too can experience that, Jesus says, by, um, by, forgiving, by forgiving. Now, again, more on this issue over the next two Sundays, but we do begin the, um, the, the, this process of committing to be reconciled by forgiving just as God in Christ forgave us. Second step is this. We, we commit to be reconciled by seeking win-win solutions. Win-win solutions. Look and say, well, what's the basis for that? Well, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 4, we find these words. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, look at that verse. He doesn't say you shouldn't look out for your own interests. He says you should not look only to your own interests. Assuming we're going to look out for ourselves... So, yes, you have some legitimate interests in this relationship and what's going on, uh, but, but also look out for the interests of others. This is the, the guidance and the wisdom of God when we are in conflict and we're seeking to reconcile. You, we seek win-win solutions. Look out for your interests. Look out for the interests of your opponent at the, uh, at the time. So you could say it this way. This is cooperative... Um, this is cooperative negotiation, not competitive. We're not out to see who can win over the other in untying all these knots. Remember, we're seeking to replace hostility and separation with peace and friendship. That's our goal, right? It's not to prove the other person was wrong. It's not to make, you know, not to make them pay. It's, we're trying to, we're trying to Find what a win here is for each other. Now, this may take several conversations. Uh, Matter of fact, it probably will. I came across a little acrostic that might help you and me when we're having this kind of conversation, or usually it's multiple conversations to get things squared away. Remember to pause. P-A-U-S-E. Here's the acrostic. Write it down. P stands for this. Prepare. Prepare for the conversation. Prepare for the conversation. Uh, Proverbs 14.8 says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Spend some time thinking through this. Don't think with your glands when you're, in, you're trying to reconcile. Con- get some time. Get alone. Get with God. Prepare. Think it through. Uh, get the facts. Do, a thir- do a, a, another good look at the situation. Uh, discover the, the issues and the interests. Go to God's Word. Increase your Bible intake and get His wisdom on these things. And develop options. Anticipate your um, uh, the reactions in the conversation. Decide in advance what to do if negotiations in the first conversation or the second or the third are not successful. What, how do we go to a fourth and a fifth? How, just uh, prepare uh, for those um, Long term conversations. You know, this, the relationships are incredibly valuable. They're incredibly important, and they're built over a period of time. We've all grown up in a culture, you know, I grew up in a culture where every television show was 30 minutes long. You know, major worldwide problems were conceived and solved in 30 minutes every night. And we've got everything's quick, everything's instant. You can go through the drive thru, you can get this, you know, and so we think that relationships are going to be uh, maintained instantly. They're not. They're not. So prepare uh, for that. Plan your remarks. Plan the, the timing and the, uh, the appropriate time and place to talk. For example, there, there are those delightful people who sometimes decide to talk to me about conflict with me two minutes before the worship service starts on the patio and I'm about to preach. Uh, you do, you're not going to have my full attention, at least not in positive ways at that point. You know, think think through when you're gonna if you what you're trying to get done here, and so um, prepare. P stands for for prepare. A stands for affirm. Affirm the relationship. Be kind. Be gracious, affirm, state, I I want us to get okay. I want us to replace hostility and separation with peace and friendship again. Can we get there? Just keep affirming that that's what you are after. U stands for this, understand interests. In other words, take some time and do your best to try to discover and understand uh, the motives of your opponent. What's important to them? I mean, you can ask them, but you, you try to make sure you uh, discover those. And then S stands for search for creative solutions. This is the go for the win-win here. And then evaluate options and reach the best agreement uh, possible. So let me see your eyes a second. So remember, you can... Resolve uh, and, uh, the conflict in your relationships and reconcile with people if you will first forgive as Christ forgave you. Second, seek win-win solutions. And third, here's a big one. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. The Bible says it this way in Romans 12. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. Overcome evil with good. So what does that look like? Well, first let me say this. You know, there's a lot of evil out there in the world, isn't there? Isn't there? Isn't there? I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of evil in people, right? Well, there's also a lot of evil in here. What do we do about the evil in our own heart? This spiritual habit that Christ commands... Here, overcome evil with good is used by him not only to diminish and overcome and break down the evil desires and responses of your opponent, but also will begin to dismantle the evil in your own heart. Now, there's where the problem is. I wish you could have been in the first service. There was a little beautiful four-year-old girl sitting on the front row. And when I said, there's a lot of evil out there. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. And he said, but what do you do about the evil in here? And she said out loud, oh, no. (laughs) 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 Lynn is the best response I've ever heard in a worship service. I think, oh, no, that's a good response. What about the evil in here? Well, that's why we're. That's why we Christians believe we, we need a savior, right? And he, there's someone. Dave, there's some. There's someone good who can do something about the evil in uh, in here. Well, this spiritual habit is one of the ways that he actually overcomes the evil. He transforms the evil in our own uh, hearts by practicing this discipline. Here's some of the good you can do. Start with the good you can do. Start by praying for uh, your opponent. Now, and, and, and pray good things for them. Don't pray like King David did in some of his prayers where he said, kick their teeth in, God. Take their babies and bash them on rocks. You know, don't pray that. That is a prayer that you can find in the Bible, but it's not there to, for you to use necessarily to pray for good things for you. But pray good things. Pray that God would bless them. And then um, do good things for them. Do good things to and for them as you have opportunity, whether you feel like it or not. So I don't feel like it. Well, remember, forgiveness is not a feeling. And we've also learned from Jesus over the years that it's easier to act your way into a new way of feeling than it is to feel your way into a new way of yes, 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 yes. That's why he says, do this. Do this. do, Do good as you can. And you keep on doing the right things. I found a great story to illustrate this <clears throat> in the delightful little book by Pastor John Ortberg. I love the title of the book. It's this one Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, <laughs> Including Your Pastor. But uh, Pastor Ortberg wrote these words in this book. <clears throat> he writes, My wife and I have a friend, we will call Sue, whose relationship with her mom was marked by friction her whole life. It alternated between uneasy ceasefires and all-out war. Sue never received a compliment. Her mom never told her she looked pretty in time. The only way they could relate was to inflict pain on one another verbally. And in a family, you know each other's most vulnerable areas. Sue ended up in the state where people from troubled families usually find themselves. California. Uh, Ortberg wrote that, not me. And entered the profession they usually enter. Psychologist. She tried to avoid going home, and on occasions when she had to go back, she would stay with her brothers. But there was a hole in her heart. One day, Sue received a phone call. Her mom had been diagnosed with a degenerative neuromuscular disease and did not have long to live. Sue began to pray, asking for a miracle. Maybe for her mother's body, maybe for her mother's heart, maybe for her own heart nothing happened. Her mom went downhill rapidly. Sue got another call. The end was not far off. Sue flew home. The family gathered for a vigil that lasted days, but her mom survived the crisis and everyone went home exhausted. Sue stayed. She could not sleep that night. She went to to her mother's bedside and something began to melt in her heart. I'm sorry, she told her mom. I know I wasn't easy to raise. Me too, her mom said. I'm sorry too. (coughs) And for the first time since she was a little girl, Sue's heart was flooded with love for her mother. She had been afraid that she would be cold toward her till the very end she had not touched her mother for years now she couldn't stop she held her mother's hand and stroked her head and wouldn't let go sue lay down on the bed next to her mom i love you mom i really do i was afraid you'd die without knowing it i'll bet you were afraid you i bet you were afraid you might know it too her mom said at that moment sue said her mother looked radiant the way some people look when heaven is not far off. Mom was having trouble speaking now. She wrote a single word for Sue to read and pointed toward her daughter. Pretty. The nurse said, I look like you, Mom. Sue found herself with thoughts and feelings she wanted to express to her mother that She didn't even know she had. She was 40 years old and had not been married. I hope to give you a grandchild. You gave me a daughter, her mom wrote. It was the last time Sue would see her mother. It was her mom's last night on earth, her last best night. And a prison door was unlocked, two stony hearts Melted. Two human beings who had lived as enemies became mother and daughter again. It is uh, it is never too late to seek reconciliation. It is never too late. You may have a relationship that broke years ago, decades ago. Maybe it never worked right. Maybe you've been at war with someone close. To you as long as you can remember, well then let's do this. Let's commit to forgive as Christ forgave us. Let's seek win-win solutions. Let's overcome evil with good. Because as those great theologians and philosophers and songwriters, Paul McCartney and John Lennon said, life is very short and there's no time for fussing and fighting, my friend. Pray with me. Let's pray. So you might be asking, well, well, Keith, how do I how do how can I demonstrate forgiveness and encourage reasonable reconciliation? How can I do that now? Well, as Christians, for those of you who are Christ followers, we begin by being prayerful. And so pray with me. I'm going to lead you through this prayer time. And um, just make this your own words from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus. In response to your love and in reliance on your grace, in this conflict, I choose to glorify you, to take responsibility for my own contributions to the dispute, to lovingly confront my opponent, and to actively pursue peace and reconciliation. Help me so that I will not accept premature compromise. Help me so that I will not allow this relationship to wither. Instead, with your help, I commit to forgive my opponent as you have forgiven me. Help me. I commit to seek win-win solutions. Help me. Help me see what they are. And I commit to overcome evil by doing good things to this person. Help me, Lord, for I cannot do this on my own. So I now in faith ask you to empower me. Give me the desire and the power to live this way. And as an act of faith, I thank you in advance. Let's keep praying. For those of you here who are not yet Christians, you may be asking a similar question. Keith, how do I find the ability to begin to demonstrate forgiveness and reconciliation? Well, this all begins by becoming a follower of Jesus. It all begins by becoming a Christian. It all begins by being saved because it is Jesus who can and will give you the desire and the power Uh, to become this kind of person and live this way. He is the starting place. So let me get really clear. In Jesus Christ, God the Father did something for you and me that we could not do for ourselves. He left heaven and came to earth in the form of a man, and he lived a sinless, perfect life, and then went innocently to the cross. And while on that cross, God the Father arranged with him to take upon himself all of this guilt all of the responsibility and all of the punishment for the sins of mankind and you and me. And he made appropriate payment for them, atoned for them fully, paid the full penalty, satisfying his very own demands of justice so that you and I would not have to. And he rose again rose from the dead proving that he had the power to do these things and that he was who he said he was, that he can forgive us and give us new and eternal life. Now some of you here are ready for the first time to say to the Lord Jesus, I'm ready to turn from my sin. I'm ready to stop leading a self-controlled, self-dependent, self-righteous life and I want to place my trust in you, Lord Jesus, and ask you to apply to me personally what you accomplished when you died on the cross rose from the dead. I want you to give me your gift of eternal life. Some of you are ready to do that. And if that's you, if you'd say, right now, I'm, I'm ready to turn and give my life to Jesus, turn from my sin, submit control of my life in eternity uh, to Him, if that's you, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. People did it in the first service. Anybody else up in the balcony? Down on the floor? Okay. Well, good. I want to lead you through a prayer. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. But if this expresses the attitude of your heart, you pray it to Christ right where you are seated. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I now open the door of my life and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord, my God. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Now there's one more thing. If you just prayed that prayer and became a follower of Christ, let me say this. Uh, There's one, uh, your first step of obedience to Him is to confess Christ publicly. What you have done personally, He wants us to celebrate publicly. He says this in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Therefore, everyone who confesses Me before men, I will also confess him before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny him before My Father who is in heaven. And Jesus in the New Testament even instituted the method that he wants us to use to celebrate him publicly. It's called baptism, Christian baptism, believer's baptism. And uh, we're prepared to help you go public with your personal faith in Christ to celebrate your new life in Christ by being baptized today. Uh, Already our baptism, the men and women on our baptism team are waiting outside in our baptism area right out these doors. And so if that's for you when the service is over, go right out these doors across the lobby, out onto the patio and turn to the right. Our baptism area is right there. We have everything you need to celebrate your Christian baptism uh, today. We have a change of clothes. We have towels. We have changing areas. And again, we have men and women there ready to assist you and celebrate. Um, Two people uh, were baptized after the 915 service. Uh, So join them. We, uh, We do that every week here. And so pray with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for making a way for us to be forgiven, to be reconciled to you. And because of that reconciliation, you've made it possible for us to be reconciled with each other. We give you thanks. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.